try that again. Good morning, Great Commission Community Church. Good morning. First of all, welcome, and it's good to be in a heated building. Can I get an amen for that? And it's good to gather together, like, physically, because it, it's a tangible reminder that we are actually one body in Christ. And as we gather, it is good to encounter God's presence with one another. Each Sunday, we come and we gather to tell the story of Christ and to expect God to form us to live and love like him. We confess that this is hard to do on our own, and we acknowledge that we need each other to spur one another to be the community of Christ. And so with that, um, I'm just going to ask you, we are the body of Christ, and I know this is a big auditorium, and some of you are going to be uncomfortable with this, so I, you know, there's freedom, but I'm just going to ask if you would be willing to just scoot a tad closer, either up or towards one another, so that we can actually experience being together as one body, because it is a privilege. We are, we are being formed together, and so even that physical presence, I would invite us to do that um, as I invite us to worship this morning. Yeah, feel free to move around. People are coming up. Please, we are one body. Our invitation to worship this morning comes from 1 Corinthians. Please follow along as I read the scripture and as you find your seat closer to one another. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. Let us bow our hearts and pray together. Holy Father, we come before you. We come from different places in life, but we are one body before you. You treat us all the same. You love us all the same. And we thank you for your presence we pray for an openness of mind and of heart and of the spirit to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you are able, please stand as we sing.
things that we trust and intend to put our trust in. Vain and empty, will disappoint. So we come to you, the wellspring, allowing us just allow your mercies, allow your love, allow your grace to flow over us. Lord, so we just open our hearts to you today and open ourselves to you and allow your spirit and allow your spirit to speak.
Lord, we give you praise. Um, we give you worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, um, for this time and for this place, for worship, for being able to sing songs, make music unto you. Um, we thank you for this community. We thank you for this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, hey, we're so close to each other. We're going to make this next part easy. We're going to turn to each other. Maybe even shake a hand. Pass the peace of Christ as we've done for centuries, as Christians have done for centuries. Let's peace, pass the peace of Christ and welcome each other. All right, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you're all here with us today. Uh, just My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, we just want to greet you, especially if this is your first time here, one of your first times here. We're so glad you're with us. We encourage you to, and, and really everyone, to, to linger a little after the service, uh, get to know some people. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, and so we just want to let you know now a couple of the things going on in our church. Um, first of all, again, for those of you who are newer, uh, we're actually having a welcome lunch on February 4th. It'll be right after the service, so that's a Sunday, uh, February 4th. It's just a couple weeks away. You can actually sign up on our website, and this is really for anyone who's never been to a welcome lunch before. Uh, the idea is it's a way for you to get to know who else is new. I know sometimes you show up places and you feel like I'm the only new person. That's not the case. I know of at least a couple of you who are brand new today, and there's multiple of you. So this is a way for you to see who else is new. It's also a chance to maybe talk to a pastor or an elder and learn a little bit more about uh, how our church operates and what are the options available for you to serve or to get plugged in. And so uh, that's going to be February 4th. Uh, lunch is on us, and it's going to be right after the service in a, uh, a place not very far from here. So uh, please go ahead and sign up. Again, it's on our website. Uh, every Tuesday... Um, on Zoom at 8 p.m., we have prayer uh, together. Uh, this is an awesome opportunity uh, to intercede for the needs of our church, but also our community and the world at large. And so we welcome you to be a part of that. We encourage you, uh, even if you can't make it every week, uh, find some time at least once in a while to come on and, and pray together. It's, it's good for us, but it's also one of the most important things that we can do as believers to intercede uh, for others and to see uh, the kingdom of God advance in, in ways. So Tuesdays at 8 um, on Zoom. And again, you can find that on our website uh, under GTCC online. Uh, you'll see there a tab for prayer. Um, we're also going to have a membership interest class. Um, so if you, would if you are interested in being a member, it's going to be Sunday, uh, February 10th. It's, uh, or Saturday, sorry. That is not the right day. Saturday, uh, February 10th. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. over Zoom. If you are interested, again, in becoming that, uh, we offer this class as an induction once a year. So if you are, this is kind of your time if you haven't been able to do that. There's more, um, it'll be more info about, uh, you get more info about church decisions if you're a member. Um, also, it's kind of an idea of a way that we have to make a commitment to say this is my kind of local body, this is where I want to be. Um, it's also a chance for you to have a voice uh, into some more decisions as a church. Uh, and it's just a, 
way to kind of settle in more roots. So uh, that's part of why we do membership stuff. So again, uh, it's going to be February 10th, which is Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And all of that, again, is on our website for you to be able to sign up and be part of that. Um, we're also uh, making a call out uh, just for bakers. Uh, we are taking a trip to our partners in Tea House uh, in the beginning of March. And so we're going to be gone. And one of the ways that we like to come alongside the people going on the mission trip is to help raise some funds for that. So there's going to be a bake sale February 25th. But we're making the call out now to make sure that we can get enough bakers who are willing to donate your goodies to that of things. So you can actually sign up online and let us know that you would like to do that and what you'd like to bring. Uh, and that just helps us to be able to do that. It's a good time to come around and then everybody gets something nice to eat. So uh, if you are a baker or think you're a baker, go ahead and sign up. Um, you know, I guess we won't know until we take the goodie home. So either way... Um, we would love to have your help in that. And again, you can sign up online uh, to be a baker for that uh, coming up in February 25th. Uh, we do not take up a physical offering, but we continue to give our offerings to the Lord online. Uh, but we do like to take a moment to pray for that because we continue to believe that our offerings are, and our tithes are an act of worship unto the Lord. And so uh, would you just pray with me as we pray for that and for the rest of our service? Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you are a provider in all things. Uh, we do thank you and cherish you for all that you've given to us. As we give back to you, we are grateful for the privilege of joining you in your work and your kingdom. And we ask that you would use what we are able to give to uh, expand your kingdom and do things beyond what we would hope or imagine. Uh, we do just pray for needs in our own community or the communities around us of provision that are needed or things that uh, you just, kingdom impact that needs to happen. And we ask God that you would use us, use our monies, use our time and efforts to expand your kingdom and see greater realities of your kingdom here in this area. Uh, we ask as we continue with our service, Jesus, would you open our ears and our hearts to hear and receive all that you have for us this morning. Uh, we just even bring you all of our distractions, our worries, concerns, anxieties, thoughts, plans, we don't hide from them. We just lay them at your feet, and we say that this morning we are our desire is to hear from you. Our desire is to encounter you. And so we ask, would you even just speak through all of our distractions this morning? Would you anoint Pastor Steve as he brings your word? And will we have ears to hear your, vo your word this morning? Amen. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm going to probably see this uh, every Sunday for, for, for a while, but thanks for coming here early. Let's continue to do that. In order for us to create culture, uh, we need to kind of push together, and so it's just be a good, just even arriving 10 minutes early to kind of connect and welcome one another into worship service. So those of you who are making an effort on that, thanks so much. Let's encourage others to do the, do the same. Um, hopefully, uh, we got to in, enjoy the snow this past week. Those of us, I guess, uh, school youth, um, you got out of school a few days, so I know you had some fun. Um, for me, uh, I got to use my snowblower, so wow, thank you. <laughs> so that was a big plus for me, so I was very happy. Um, 
But anyways, uh, yeah, praise God for just God's goodness. And even, even Snow, re- being reminded of God's um, kind of cleansing, cleansing power uh, for us. We're looking at Ephesians uh, chapters 4 through 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Ephesians chapters uh, 4 through 6. We'll look at chapter 4 today. Um, and I appreciate these chapters because they're, they're practical. I don't know about you, but I think we live in a culture where we are bombarded with information, and sometimes it's just hard to process all the information that we're getting. But Ephesians, you have chapters 1 through 3, where, where Paul does talk about the gospel and the beauty and the depth of the gospel. But in chapters 4 through 6, he gets really practical. He says, this is how you now live as Christians. So we're looking at chapters 4 through 6. So let me go ahead and uh, read uh, verse, we'll start from verse 17, or we'll go to uh, verse 32. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But all bitter, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Amen. This is God's word. We'll stop there. Uh, Paul here gives us a metaphor for, for the Christian life, and that is to put off and put on, right? And for those of you who, uh, this even past week, you had to put on certain kind of clothing to be out in the snow, right? Whether to, dry, uh, to shovel the driveway or to play in the snow uh, to, or to use the snowblower, you, you had to put on thicker jacket, coats. You had to put on gloves and hat to, be, to enjoy the weather outside. And that's what Paul is kind of saying here. In order for us to live the Christian life in a way that God's calling us to live, we need to have right kind of clothing. So he says, you need to put off the things that are not right, not, not, it doesn't fit the occasion, it doesn't fit your Christian life, and then put on the things that are right before God so that you can live into the call that God has for us. And so this section is divided into three portions, so I'll just kind of talk about each three pieces. One, 
Paul here says, here is the old life apart from God. Number two, here's the new life in Christ. And then the last section there is, he gives us examples of what that looks like, how to apply that. Okay, so one, old life apart from God, verse 17. Now, this, is, uh, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So Paul here is saying, you no longer are apart from God, right? You no longer, you now have relationship with God, and so live like it. Uh, he uses the word here, futility of their minds. That's the same word that's, that's translated into vanity or meaninglessness in the book of, book of Ecclesiastes. If you're here with us, uh, a couple of years ago, we went through that book, and, and, and it's, uh, the book is about an, uh, an author who sees life apart from God. Right? And, and so he tries many different things. He lives for wisdom and understanding and education and scholarship. He lived for pleasure and comfort and laughter and fun. He lived for beauty, such as music and art. He lived for sex and power, wealth, popularity, love, relationships, and accomplishments. And after all of that, he says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So he says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. That's the same word that Paul uses here to describe life apart from God. There is sense of, a deep sense of going nowhere. Things are meaningless apart from God. And he says in verse 18, the reason why we feel this way apart from God is we are darkened in our understanding, are alienated from the life of God. And the consequences of this is verse 19, they have become callous in, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so here is a description of life apart from God. Now the question that I want to ask today is, why does Paul do this, right? Because in chapter 4, beginning of chapter 4, we talked about this last Sunday, he's urging the Christians to live a life that is worthy of God's call upon them. And so we, last Sunday, we talked about how this involves um, unity, and then it involves pursuing maturity together. But Paul here pauses and, and talks about life before Christ to these Ephesians. Why does Paul do this? I think two reasons. One, um, for the Christians in Ephesus, and you could easily imagine, uh, it was difficult for them to live the Christian life. Uh, they were the minority people. Uh, they were the new people who followed the way, followed Christ um, in, in this uh, immense city of Ephesus. And so Paul knew that many, perhaps, will fall away. They will be tempted to go back to their old life. And so Paul is reminding them, this is how your life was before God. And that's a good reminder for some of us too, isn't it? Uh, it's a good reminder because we often are tempted to go back to our old ways. Maybe some of us here today are wrestling with that, right? Even as you come to church, there is part of you that, that wonders whether this is, like, worth it. <laughs> Just even coming to church, even this morning. The weather is cold. Some, the, those of you who have little kids, you have to get them ready and get into the car, drive, and get here on time. I mean, is it really worth it to pursue God in this way? And so Paul here is saying he's reminding the Christians, right, in Ephesus, this was how your life was, life was like before God. I think there's a second reason why he reminds uh, the, the Christians here, um, 
life before, before Christ. And, and that's so that in the midst of living the Christian life, for, for them and for us too, uh, that we can, we can rejoice and we can be thankful. Um, oftentimes when we follow, follow Christ and we're, we're trying to live out our faith, I mean, there are challenges. Things get hard. And we might be tempted to despair or be discouraged or depressed, bitter, cynical, uh, become angry. I mean, these things happen. And I think time to time, we need to remember, take a step back and remember the, the grace and mercy that God had for us. I kind of think it like this. Uh, when we, my family, we own a home in Burke, and we're, we're grateful for, for, for our home, but time to time, things fall apart, right? And those of you who own homes, you just know that as things get older, you need to replace this and replace that. You need to paint this wall. At our home, we had holes in our walls because of our kids punching things. And, you know, we just have to repair things. And even this past month, we had a, a pipe that was leaking. So you had to kind of think about that. And so at times, you could kind of complain that, man, is this, is this worth it? Like, you have to upkeep, like, spend so much money on re- repairing things. And as a homeowner, you just kind of, you can kind of complain things. But time to time, you know, we talk about our first home in Philadelphia, uh, this was, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago. Uh, not 25, sorry. Do math. 20, probably 20 years ago. I'm not that old. All right. about, about 20 years ago, our first home, it was in a place called Upper Darby. It was right outside of West Philly. Uh, it was a row home uh, in a pretty, like, poor neighborhood, but that was the only thing that we could afford at that time, and so we purchased it, and um, the house didn't have AC, so somewhere it was hot. A winter, the doors and the windows were old, and so there was always draft that, that came. We raised our little, three little kids in that house. We have a lot of fond memories, but, but it, was, it was rough. I think the worst part was because it was part of an old neighborhood with old row homes, we had mice problems. Uh, I mean, we would try to treat it and block things, and we tried everything, but it would always come back. It was just, it was just hard. And so when I think about my home now, even with the leaking pipe and things, oh, man, praise the Lord. So thankful. Time to time, we need to have a broader approach to our Christian life. Some of us right now might be going through a season of darkness. It's hard. There's problems and issues in following Christ. Take a step back and look at your life before Christ. There was no meaning, not not eternal meaning anyway. There was a deep sense of going nowhere. But in Christ, even though things might be hard, there is an eternal destiny that Christ is leading towards, leading us towards. And not only that, but in midst of hardships, in midst of difficulties and challenges, God says He is with us. And so Paul is telling these Christians in Ephesus, he's reminding them, this is how your life used to be like. You were, earlier he says, dead in your trespasses, right? Futility of mind, vanity. There was no purpose in your life, but now Christ has come, has given you life and hope. So he encourages them, encourages them in that way. And so that's point number one. Right? We, we, we ought to time to time think about life apart from God and how good it is to be with Him, life with Him. 
uh, num- number two. So he talks about old life apart from God, and then he talks about new life in Christ, right? In verse 20, he says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul here now is talking about our life in Christ. He says, we have heard about Jesus, and we were taught in Him. And then he tells us three commands, gives us three ways that we were taught in Him. Uh, Three commands. He says, one, verse 22, we were taught to put off our old self. Number two, verse 23, to be renewed in our minds. And then number uh, number three, verse 24, put on your new self. And so here is, I think, what Paul is telling us. Here is how you live your life in Christ. Put off your old self. Put on your new self. Be renewed be renewed in your mind. That's, we could say that's the rhythm of the Christian life. Put off your old self. Put on your new self. This is how we mature. This is how we grow. Now, thinking about these three things, I want to I give us two, two, two balances, two things that we need to kind of think about. One, well, as you think about just really quickly, putting off your old self is what, what, it, what it means. It's putting off attitudes and actions that had, that, that had dominated your life before Christ. Uh, maybe some of us, before coming to Christ, you were dominated by anger or dominated by depression. So Paul here is saying, put those things away. Put those things off. And then put on Christ. Right? Put on character of Christ. And so two balances. One, um, you have to have put off and put on. They have to be like they have to be done together. This is what I mean. Um, when I was growing up at a, at a church, um, I think what was emphasized to me was to put away things, right? So uh, it was like avoid this, don't do that, right? Make sure that you don't go too close to worldly things. I think that was what was emphasized, and not that that was bad. But I still recall when our youth group was growing and, and people were bringing their friends. And these kids would come, uh, kids who were unchurched. They had no church background. And they would come and they would enjoy just being together. It was fun. I remember, I remember these guys were coming. They were coming regularly. But what was taught, not from maybe the youth pastors, but maybe some other kids, and it was taught that, hey, you know, if you really want to follow God, like, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop watching these movies. Or you need to stop listening to these kind of music. Or you need to stop, avoid this. And that was what was sort of taught and preached to these kids who, who are coming to Christ. Well, I mean, soon after, they, they stopped coming. Because here's the reason why they stopped coming. You're putting off has to be balanced with putting on. If you only talk about putting off, and I think, like Pharisees, when you look at the Gospels, I think the Pharisees kind of had that tendency when, he, when they talk, thought about uh, keeping Sabbath, right? There were 39 things that they could not do. And if that's where you leave your Christian life, like here are all the things that you can't do, you need to avoid. Um, well, that's not, that's only half right. Or that, that will lead to legalism easily. 
It has to be balanced with putting things off and then putting things on. But however, on the other hand, if you only talk about putting things on, so I can think about maybe as I got older, maybe during my college, during my college fellowship, it was encouraged for us to serve, serve the church, um, serve the church hard, go serve the poor, just serve the body, and that was emphasized, and obviously those things are good, but maybe some of you grew up in a church in that way, like what was emphasized, emphasized was doing good works which is right, right? It's a good, good thing for us to serve others and serve the poor and, and do these things. But if our like, inner sin is never addressed, we, we're never challenged to take things off, put away things, well, then this becomes easily become hypocrisy, right? Well, because we're doing things without having a heart that matches our outward action. What's needed is putting off and putting on. They have to go together, putting things on and putting uh, things on. Um, and so here at Great Commission Community Church, and not, no church is perfect, but, but I think we try to, on Sundays, have our liturgy where there is portion where we repent through our prayers. There's a portion where we put on, sing about God's goodness. And even in our church calendar, we have a season called Lent. It's coming up in about six weeks or so. So during Lent, we focus congregationally, corporately, we focus on putting things off. We talk about, hey, are there things that God's leading you to, like, put away? And that's a season where as we think about and meditate on the cross, we do that corporately together. Our prayers and songs reflect that. We say these things are not good things. These are not of God. So together, friends, let's put these things away. We, our prayers, our sermons reflect that. And by the way, we'll, we'll go through during Lent season this year, we'll, we'll talk about the Ten Commandments. And so through that, we're going to spend some time in repentance and repenting of our sins and, and confessing our need for God's grace. That's Lent season. But after Easter, after Lent, we have a season called Eastertide. That's where we put on things. Like God has called us to live the Christian life in Christ. So let's go and share and love and serve and, and display all the good things that God has called us to be. And so we try to do that because we know that it's easy to emphasize one over the other. But it's both. Put off and put on. So maybe today some of us are, as you're listening to this the sermon and think about the metaphor of putting off and putting on. And I'll, I'll talk about this later, but maybe even you can begin to think about, are there things in your life today that God's kind of calling you to put off? Like put that away. That's not good for you. Or put on. Put on the characteristics of Christ. Begin to think about that. There's another balance that, that I think is really important here. It's a balance between what God does and what we do. Now, Paul says put off and put on, but right in between the two commandments, there is another command, and it says um, be renewed in your mind, right? And so it's putting off your old self, uh, putting on your new self. And then verse 23, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And that verb there, be renewed, is in a passive voice, meaning it's something that is done to you. So what's implied here is God's the one who renews your mind. 
So change happens like this. We're called to put off things that are not of God, put on the things that are of God, and he says, and as we do that, or as we do this, as we apply these things, the Spirit of God moves in our life and renews our minds or, or our hearts. And those things are, like, really important because it's not, like, we can't change our own hearts, but we can't do the things that God's calling us to do. But, but in midst of following through, in midst of obeying, living obedience, the Spirit of God moves to renew us. This is what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So that's, don't be passive about, about your Christian life. Be active. Be proactive. Do the things that God's called you to do. And then he says, For it is God who works in you. We work, God works. We live in obedience, but the Spirit of God changes us. We work, God works. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Right? So balance between what we do, we live in obedience, right? Put off, put on. And what God does, He renews us. He changes us. Those are really two important things to remember in our Christian life. So this is how God's calling us to live the Christian life. Put off your old self. Put on your new self and be renewed and, uh, in, in the Spirit, uh, God, through, the, through the Holy Spirit. Be, be renewed in your mind through the Spirit. All right, last thing. So he, here, here he gives um, examples, and there are three examples. And I think I want to, yeah, I've been wrestling with it even this morning, thinking about how to present this well. Uh, and I want to, I think, highlight one main thing. But as we, we'll, we'll walk through this passage. So three examples are, so first he says in verse 25, we're called to put off falsehood, right? Like things that are not true and, and put on speaking truth. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So there are each of these, the put on, put off, is followed by a motivating clause, motivational clause. So not only does Paul say put on and then put off, but here's why you need to do this. And I think that's what's really helpful here. The first thing is, again, put off falsehood. Put on truth. If we can just generalize the, 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 the life before Christ, it's living in falsehood. Right? We believed in lies of the evil one. We, we lived by, by not the truth of God, but we lived by falsehood. And so Paul here says, put that away. Make sure that your life is rooted in truth and you speak truth to one another. And in some sense, as we gather on Sundays, as we sing, that's what we're doing. We're singing, and Paul will talk about this in chapter 5, not only singing to God, but we're singing to one another. You know why? Because we're singing the truth of God to each other. We are being reminded of God's truth as we sing. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why we should sit closer together so that we can hear each other sing. And that's, I mean, that's, that's biblical. It's not for me. It's what the Bible says. Uh, not, not to sit together, but like speak truth to one another. And that's what we do. We speak truth to one another. But I, what I want to point out to you here is, look at the motivating clause here. It says, why do we do this? Paul, why should we do this? Paul could have easily said, you need to do this because this is of God. Or you need to do this because this will be helpful or this pleases God. No, what he says here is, for we are members of one body. 
what are to motivate us to put off things that are not of God and put on the things that are of God is not only do we please God and honor God and glorify God, but we benefit, love, and serve one another in this way. The reason why we speak truth, not lies, is because we are one. That's what Paul here says. I mean, I, I still need to think about this, but this is what ought to motivate us. Yes, what's implied here is in the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you, friends, to live a life that is worthy of God's call. So what's implied here is, yes, we live this way because it pleases God. Yes, but at the same time, another motivation is we live this way. We put off things that are not of God, things that are hurtful and shameful because we are one. We are part of one body. What ought to motivate me to live my Christian life, be a good pastor, is you. What ought to motivate you to be the Christian that God's called you to be is one another. We ought to look at one another and say, I, I want to do my best and serve and love and pray because of you, because you matter, because we're part of one body. That's what Paul here says. What motivates you? I think this is important because oftentimes in our Christian life, especially here in, in the States, Northern America, our Christian life can be reduced to just my, like myself and God, right? And so I take off bad things and I put on good things so that I could please God. And that's true, but it's limited because what ought to motivate us is one another because we're one body. And I mean, Paul repeats this because he talks about and a bit later, he says, let thief no longer steal, right? Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work for, with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So what Paul here says, take off stealing. Uh, in the church in Ephesus, they probably had poor servants or slaves that came, became Christian. So this was, mad. This was their life. This is, this is the way that they survived. And so Paul here says, no, you're in Christ now. So put off stealing. Work with your hands. Work. Earn a, earn a living. And Paul could have easily said, because this is one of the Ten Commandments, do not steal. It honors God if you don't steal. He could have said that, but that's not what he says here. He says, so that, motivating clause, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The motivation is not vertical, but horizontal. We stop stealing, we start serving, we start giving. We work hard, we tithe, we give offering, not only because of God and God's kingdom, but so that we can benefit others because of our own body. Um, now, right in the middle, I, I, I want to mention this just because it's here. And Paul talks about this. He says, verse 26, another example is do not get angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so anger, he says, hey, those of you, uh, anger, uh, maybe anger in itself, not sin. But it says, I mean, it's so clear that it easily leads to sin. And so he says, make sure that duration of your anger is short, right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And this is actually from Psalm 4. And Psalm 4 is where uh, the psalmist is unjustly treated. 
and he's angry, he's bitter, and so he's processing that. And Psalm 4, 4, he says, be angry, and he's talking to himself. He says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder on your own hearts on your bed and be silent and, pu- and put your trust in the Lord. And the latter part of the psalm, his anger turns, turns into peace and joy. There is, I think scripturally, there's anger uh, can lead to sin easily. And so there is this exhortation of slow down. Ponder upon yourself in silence. Don't lash out. This is the same thing what James says, James chapter 1, verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So why does Paul say this? He says, you might, you might give the devil an opportunity in your life. But what I want to point out is all the way down in verse 32, he says, this is what you ought to put on. Put away anger. But put on, verse 32, kindness, compassion, forgiveness. Again, it has to do with our horizontal life. And so, as we close, this is, you know, think about the ways that uh, God might be calling you to put off things that are not of God and put on things that are of God. The motivation, I think, Im- what's implied here is, and we naturally think this, right? We go, okay, God, this is what you, you're calling me to do, and so I want to obey you. I want to honor you with this. But another motivation, just as important from Ephesians chapter 4 that I want to Remind you is we do this because we care for one another. Whether it's anger, whether it's stealing, whether it's lying, it doesn't only impact our relationship with God, but it impacts our body life, our community life. Anger, stealing, lying, it destroys the body. It hurts one another. And so Paul here says, put those things away, right? Put on kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. Be motivated knowing that we all belong to one body. And again, you know, this is a mystery, right? Ah, what does that mean? We're all one body. It's a mission, and hopefully we could grow into this, but that's what Scripture says. When God sees us, He sees us as one body, His people. And this is why, this is God's, like, big calling, right? We as Christians, the followers of Jesus, who now live a new life, are we, we function differently uh, because of uh, we're new family. You're, we're new, new humanity, new people of God. Um, I'll close with this. You know, I, I got to spend some time with my kids over the winter break, and, um, you know, some of them are doing well and others not so well. I won't say who's, who's doing well, who's not doing well and struggling. It's okay. We're, you know, they're in college, and I'm sure... You know, we all go through those seasons. And so one, one you know, person, one child said, you know, we're trying to encourage, uh, encourage him to, you know, go to church more consistently and be, be plugged in, you know, small group, read scripture. Just try to encourage him in that way. And, you know, he said something like, um, oh, I don't know if I could go back because he, ha- he was in a small group, but he kind of left. And so he said, oh, I don't know if I want to go back because I think they'll, they'll laugh at me or, you know, I think it's going to be awkward. You know, it just, he didn't, he didn't want to do it. And then, you know, um, my other son said, you know, that's not, that's not true. You know, when you, when you show up, like, they'll love on you. Uh, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be shameful. It's okay. You know, they'll love on you. They'll welcome you in. I really like that. Because what he's saying is, I don't know if he's processing it this way, but God's people, um, because of Christ, live differently. 
We are the new family of God. We have different values, different goals, different desires. We live differently. And that's what Paul here is saying. You live differently. You look different. (laughs) Put away things that are not right. Put on the things that are of Christ. Be renewed in in your mind. The Spirit will work to change you as you do these things. And be motivated not only to please God, but please uh, motivated by your love for one another. All right, let's, uh, let's close here, and we'll spend some time, time praying and singing and uh, taking communion together. Um, just want to give us a minute to uh, just pause before God and, and see if there are things that God is asking you to put away. Um, you know, not in a legalistic way because we talked about this, right? It's putting, putting things off and putting things on. But are there things in your life as you start 2024? You just know that this is, this is not helpful. This is not right. And the Spirit of God is saying, you know, let this go or take this off. Or maybe others of you, you've been just too passive in your Christian life. And he's saying, put this on. I'm going to give us a minute to just kind of wait and see if God has a word for you. And then we'll sing our song together. Uh, We'll pray together corporately. And I'll come back up and we'll have communion together. So take a minute to do that. Take a minute to be before God and, and, and see if there are things that God might have for you to change as you start this new year.
to a time of corporate prayer and actually I know this is a little bit different but if you just could you just take I mean don't get out of your seat just turn and just look because this is who we are the community of Christ and we are going to enter into prayer together I'll be I have the privilege of praying on our behalf but after a few sentences I'll end with the phrase blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and I invite you to respond by saying, as you have been, as you have blessed us, may we be a blessing to our neighbor. So we'll give that a try. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us pray together. Father, you are God of the beginning and the end and everything in between. You were, you are, and will always be. You are a God of love, a God of truth, a God of grace, and a God of mercy. And you have demonstrated your love through Jesus Christ's death, resurrection, and victory over sin and death on the cross. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And you have provided a way, yet our hearts often go astray from you. We pursue lives according to our own rules, to fulfill our own desires, rejecting your humble ways. And in the process, we harden our hearts towards you. Lord, forgive us. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you for the wonderful cross, for your son's death on the cross that washes away our sins. Thank you for sanctifying and cleansing us through Christ. Thank you for teaching us to die to ourselves that we might truly live. Thank you that we have new life in you, Jesus. Thank you for providing us with the body of Christ, the community of the saints, that by grace we can do the work of Christ together. We pray for more unity in and among our church and the bigger church in general as one body with many members that we may bless our neighbors, our city, our country, and the nations. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Lord, we lift up our partners who are doing justice and spreading the gospel. We lift up to you, Casa Chirlagua, Little Lights, Global Gates, and missionaries around the world in Cambodia, Indonesia, and in a country we call Tea House, 
as they continue to share the gospel in word and in action with love. And now we pray with our partners for your Holy Spirit to be working in the minds and the hearts of those who are coming for kids or teens club, reading heroes, mentoring, job opportunities, affordable housing, helping navigate a new country, or for those who are coming for friendship or a listening ear. We know you, O oh God, are at work beyond what we can see or even imagine. So we pray this morning your kingdom come in Alexandria, in Southeast DC, in Bailey's Crossroads, across the DMV, into the ends of the earth. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we pray for those who are sick with physical illnesses, not just transient illnesses, but also chronic diseases and injuries. We pray this morning for your healing and your restorative power. We pray for those with mental illness, anxiety, depression, fatigue, and addictions. In the midst of uncertainty, frustration, and pain, we pray for genuine encounters for Christ's hope, Christ's comfort, Christ's peace, and Christ's wholeness. We thank you that we do, in fact, have new life in Christ. For in your name, there is power, there is healing, there is so much love, there is mercy and grace upon grace. We pray for your Holy Spirit's renewal as we put off our old selves and put on the new in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. pray this in the powerfully unifying and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. And uh, we'll read the Apostles' Creed together and then we'll have communion. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. As He ascended to the heavens, He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Uh, we'll continue to respond to uh, God and His Word and His Spirit. We'll have communion. We'll also have people up here uh, to pray with you. And uh, what a better way to experience um, the body of Christ uh, than to pray for one another. So if you want to receive prayer, please come and, and do that. We'll sing a couple songs as we close and as we continue to worship Him and respond to what He has for us. Uh, this, this is a privilege for the followers of Jesus. If you're here kind of seeking and visiting, we're so glad you're here with us. We kindly ask you to refrain from the table.
uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink from it for the remission of your sins.
that love of God uh, even as just saying let's be reminded of his great love for us and I'll pray for us as we finish this is Paul's prayer for the, the Ephesians and it's his prayer for us today that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for coming today. Have a great weekend. We will see you back here at 10.15 next Sunday. Okay? Thanks so much.